This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. WBBM News Time 1203. It's great to have you joining us for the Friday edition of the Noon Business Hour. I'm Cisco Cotto. The Noon Business Hour is presented by Republic Bank of Chicago. Talk about cryptocurrency as Dogecoin is up something like 300% this week. Is it a bubble or should people get in? That's coming up in our next segment. Right now, the report on housing starts shows the market is heating up, but there are some key factors that could limit growth. We're joined by Diane Swank, chief economist at Grant Thornton here in Chicago. Uh, Diane, housing starts rising. Tell us about that and also why that's important to the wider economy. Well, housing is doing well, and what we saw was a catch-up month after we saw those weather-related losses in the month of February. The oil patch was hit with electricity outages and unusually harsh winter weather, which suppressed gains, and then they came back. The West was the only region not to be affected in the month of February, so they didn't increase much. But overall, those gains were driven by the single-family market, and that's where we really have an acute shortage of supply, most notably in the entry-level first-time buyer market. Market. And what we're seeing is investors step in and buy up many of these homes from builders with a better margin and then flipping them to rent instead of sell. And what we're worried about when that happens is, one, it bids up the price, of course, and helps builders who have had to cover more costs of rising input costs, but it does lock out many first-time buyers from climbing the ladder of the rungs of wealth accumulation in the United States. And moving forward, uh, you you end up with uh, a lot of people who, in in a lot of various industries, who make money when a new house is made. I mean, it's not just, people think, well, you know, lumber and siding. It's just much more than that, though. Oh, no. There's nothing, anyone who's ever bought a house knows there's nothing that triggers more consumer spending in the U.S. economy and more collateral activity than home building. It is one of those things that just triggers a whole domino of effects in the U.S. economy. And it's also one of the reasons why we're seeing so much strong spending on all kinds of consumer goods, even as we're starting to see some of that pent-up demand unleashed for vacations and discretionary services out there because people are filling the homes they just bought or remodeling homes they still have are trying to get their home offices up to speed still a year into the pandemic. When we talk about consumer sentiment, uh, you got people who are feeling pretty good. Does that necessarily mean they're going to be spending more money? Well, it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be spending it, but the reason they're feeling good does necessarily mean it. Not only did we have uh, almost a million new jobs created with revisions in the month of March, we also saw all those stimulus checks handed out. Many of them were saved, and that is helping repair consumer balance sheets in a way that we've not seen in the past. But also, those at the lower end of the income strata, we know that much more of that money was actually spent. And that's important because one thing we saw at the end of 
the year before we saw yet two more rounds of stimulus and emergency aid was hunger and homelessness, particularly for children, was escalating at a very alarming pace. And it was really getting to be an extremely tragic story. We've unwound the hunger problem by quite a bit, not cured it, but that is really important when we're talking about the well-being of our next generation. Thanks so much. Really good insight. Diane Swank, chief economist at Grant Thornton here in Chicago. Coming up, we're going to talk about whether there's a cryptocurrency bubble going on as Dogecoin just seems to keep on rising. Is it a bubble or should you get in? Dogecoin has grown 300% in a week. That is putting some investors on edge. We welcome Jeff Kilberg, CEO of KKM Financial. Uh, Jeff, Dogecoin, I don't know, not that long ago it was a nickel. Now it's been almost up to 50 cents. Is is this a bubble here? It is a little frothy, but Dogecoin up about 462% in the last seven days. You're absolutely right. And it's remarkable to see how it's vaulted some of the other cryptocurrencies. It's gone ahead from a market cap perspective, ahead of Polkadot, ahead of Litecoin, ahead of Tron, a lot of these names. And you're hearing about different cryptocurrencies, but what really illuminated or what's the real surge? I know there's been a lot of conversation from Elon Musk. The CEO of Tesla, he loves Dogecoin. You actually heard some Slim Jim, Slim Jim, the, the, the meat stick that we like to snap into. They talked about their Dogecoin strategy. So you're seeing more of this global adoption of the cryptocurrencies, but up 462% in seven days. Yes, it does seem a little bit over its skis, but nonetheless, you are seeing more and more people come in. And this is all in the wake of Coinbase, the big Coinbase I, not IPO, it was actually a direct listing, Cisco, and that direct listing is allowing folks, about 56 million users currently, to access about 90 different cryptocurrencies. So this broad swath adoption, that's putting a big, big move higher in all these different cryptocurrencies. When I look at my top 10 list, if it's Bitcoin, Ethereum, pick your cryptocurrency, they're all up on this seven-day change. That's what makes me wonder if if this is sort of a short-term bubble, because now you have a bunch of people who either didn't know what Dogecoin was, or they saw that it was a nickel not long ago, didn't think it was going to go anywhere, and now they're all rushing, trying to get an account open so they can buy it. Well, that, That's right, and it's funny because Dogecoin started back in 2013, a bit of a joke, and now all of a sudden that cryptocurrency is north of $40 billion, so no matter how you're approaching it, we get more excited. We actually run a model at KKM on how to own companies that have direct or indirect exposure to Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. Think of like a PayPal. Think of a Square. Think of a MicroStrategy. But if you're actually going to be dabbling inside of these different cryptocurrencies, if you have a, an account at Coinbase, you do have to be considerate of the volatility. It's massive volatility. If you're used to trading stocks or even bonds, this is a completely different ballgame. I think there's a lot of opportunity. I think we're in the first couple innings of cryptocurrencies. We do see this global adoption, but there's going to be massive volatility. It's not going to be a straight line. The trajectory is higher, Cisco, but be very careful and come in very slowly. Maybe have some diversification in some of these coins. Yeah, you mentioned there are several coins, and so that's what's kind of charm. Well, I kind of go back to supply and demand. You have to be able to utilize some of the metrics that a typical traditional investor utilizes. So if you talk about supply and demand, if you trade energy stocks, if you understand the crude oil market, apply those metrics into the cryptocurrency. Let's talk about Bitcoin for a second. There's 21 million possible Bitcoins. They're still being mined every day, every second. But right now, there's a total potential for 21 million Bitcoins. And that's not going to really max out at 21 million Bitcoins for a couple more years, possibly 10 more years. 
but there's 46 million millionaires in the United States. So just that math alone, Cisco, every millionaire came and owned one Bitcoin. So the supply demand, understand what the supply is, if it's Dogecoin, if it's Polkadot, if it's Litecoin, understand the supply component and how this mining is actually transpiring, because that's going to give you a better understanding of how as much as it can go up, 462% in seven days, it has the ability to retrace 50, 60% in a couple of days. But that supply, that's going to help you make a determination on which potential exposure to cryptocurrencies you should have in your portfolio. And yet for people who don't understand that, they don't even get what cryptocurrencies are. I mean, you know, there's a lot of people who fall into that camp, yet they're feeling this pressure as financial advisors say you have to have at least a little crypto and their friends are talking about it and they have an app open and they're showing what they're making. And it seems like that's making people who don't really understand it still feel like they have to somehow get into it. Well, I think there's a lot of great websites. We have great conversations like this, Cisco. We're going to continue this cryptocurrency conversation. But I think a fundamental understanding of what blockchain is, what Bitcoin is, the, the service it provides, the whole theme of decentralized finance, that's trying to strip out a lot of the intermediaries, trying to get rid of the banks, trying to get rid of some of the middlemen. So this was all in the wake of the Great Recession in 2008. That's where cryptocurrencies were born. So I still think we're in the first couple innings there, but you have to have a fundamental understanding of what does blockchain, Bitcoin, Ethereum, what do these, this technology, what does it solve out there? And if you can get your arms around that, then you'll have a better understanding of what coins potentially could provide you some exposure to the cryptocurrency moving forward. All right. Thanks so much. Jeff Kilberg, CEO, KKM Financial. Up next, Morgan Stanley beats the street with its latest report. A deposit for your future. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Morgan Stanley has topped earnings estimates with its latest report. Joining us to talk about it on the McGrath Lexus Business Line, Dick Bove, financial strategist for New York-based Odeon Capital Group. Dick, it's always good to get your insight on this. What's going on with Morgan Stanley? Well, I think uh, it's the growth in money supply. In other words, we're in a situation where the Federal Reserve has been increasing the money supply at a rate right now, which is uh, 26% year over year. And I've, I've never, ever seen money supply growth at that rate. In fact, over the last two years, money supply has grown 10 times faster than the growth in the U.S. economy. So if, if you're an intermediary of money, which Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley are, you're going to benefit enormously uh, by, the re by the increase in this money supply. Number one, you're going to find that your asset management businesses are growing because there's more money going in and you're getting a percentage off the top there. Number two, you're going to see trading activity pick up pretty substantially because there's going to be more uh, money being traded in the market. And number three, you're going to actually see an increase in your investment banking activity because essentially um, more companies will be going to market, seeking the money which is out there. And as long as the Fed, you know, continues to increase that money supply, companies like uh, Morgan Stanley and Goldman Sachs are positioned magnificently to benefit from it, and their earnings will continue to be in a pretty sharp uptrend. Are there any sort of challenges that we, could, we should be concerned about with all of that increase in the money supply? Oh, yeah, there's a big one. <laughs> that is inflation. <laughs> I mean, essentially, if you've got money, now I know monetary economists are gone. They've all been you know, wiped out because they've been wrong most of the time. But you now have money growing 10 times faster than the economy. 
I mean, you know, in, in, in the olden times when monetary economy was looked at, that would be a big sign of inflation. In other words, it means inflation is going to pick up pretty dramatically, uh, certainly uh, by 2022. And that then leads to what do you own to protect yourself against inflation? And it's one of the reasons that Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies are doing so well, because they're perceived to be inflation hedges of some type. Yeah, really fascinating to see how that's developed, too, really, really quickly. Thank you, Dick Beauvais, financial strategist for the New York-based Odeon Capital Group. Still ahead, Entrepreneur Friday, a Chicago business that is combining dining and art all in one. This is Chicago's all-news station, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Cisco Cotto. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. Police have identified the shooter who killed eight people at a FedEx facility in Indianapolis last night. A special report from CBS News is next. It's Entrepreneur Friday. We meet the proprietor of a West Loop business that's bringing food together with art. Some workers who've been doing their jobs from home can't wait to get back into the office. WBBM Business, the Dow up 101 points, the NASDAQ is down 14, and the S&P is up 7 points. Oil is flat today. Beautiful sunshine, blue skies throughout your day. 9 degrees at O'Hare, 41 downtown. CBS News Brief. There is no question that this violence must end. Vice President Kamala Harris is speaking out about the shooting at an Indianapolis FedEx facility that left eight dead. The gunman killed himself. The police department's Craig McCart. We are not able to make positive identification of the suspect, so there's really not much that we can that we can say about him until we have made positive identification. He's now being described as a male in his 20s. Health experts say a third COVID shot may be needed. Ongoing already uh, clinical trials looking at a boost of the original wild type virus vaccine. Do- Dr. Anthony Fauci. Present! Present! Arms! The Japanese Prime Minister lays a reef at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier in Arlington National Cemetery ahead of his meeting with President Joe Biden at the White House. It's Mr. Biden's first in-person visit by a foreign leader. CBS News Brief. I'm Lisa Mateo. A reminder, Odyssey is your new home for all the audio that matters to you. Download the Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y, to listen to WBBM anytime. It's 1232. Conversation that's on the money. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. The Noon Business Hour presented by Republic Bank of Chicago. Markets are mixed. The Dow up 100. The Nasdaq down 16. And the S&P is up 7 points. Let's see what's going on. Art Hogan is here. Chief Market Strategist at National Securities in New York. Art, good to have you back on the show. What do you make of what you're seeing on Wall Street today? Yeah, so let's go. Continuation of a good week. We've got a combination of better-than-expected economic data throughout the course of the week, and today was really no different with the uh, housing data. And I think that as we look at the data from the month of March, it's certainly sequentially been much better than the month of February. I think that's uh, part and parcel of the fact that February had some bad weather and no stimulus, and this is a month with stimulus and and more reopening. So I think the market's reacting to that. Now, the the other piece of the puzzle is that the yield on the 10-year has remained quite calm. Remember, six weeks ago, all we could talk about was the yield on the 10-year year treasury and how far that was going to go and what that meant for tech stocks. Now that that has settled down quite a bit, I think investors are feeling much more comfortable. But next week will be all about the earnings season with 65 S&P 500 companies reporting. 
Yeah, let's talk about so far earnings season. What do you make of it? Obviously, there's still a lot more to go. Yeah, 22 S&P 500 companies uh, reporting this week. In large part, it's all been banks. And, and certainly across the board, they've all been better than expected. Goldman Sachs blew it out of the water with their quarterly results. But just across the board, Morgan Stanley, J.P. Morgan, Bank America, Citibank, Wells Fargo, everywhere you look at the financials, the reports have been very good. But that was largely expected. The financials have been the best performing sector so far this year. So the reaction has been relatively muted. But I think what it signals is there's plenty of economic activity going on in the first quarter. If the banks are doing well, likely a good chunk of the S&P 500 will be doing well. We expect the rest of the earnings season to be just as good. I think we're going to see 25 to 30 percent earnings growth in the first quarter of this year. That's, those are the kind of numbers we haven't seen in about 20 years. Talking about, uh, just for a moment, uh, you know, crypto, what do you advise investors given the fact that, well, most people still don't even have any idea what it is, and yet you have a bunch of people who feel like they're missing something if they don't get into it at least a little bit? Well, just understand, I think you hit that right on the head. It's, it's speculative and it's volatile. So if you'd like to have that be part of your portfolio, understand it should be that portion of your po- portfolio that you, that you deem to be speculative. And by that, we mean, you know, zero to 5% of your portfolio can be in something speculative, whether it's a precious metal like gold and silver, or whether it's a cryptocurrency or one of the cryptocurrencies enablers like Coinbase. Just remember, it's going to whip around. We've seen three 80% drawdowns in the cryptocurrency world over the course of the last three years. So it's, it's not for widows and orphans, and it's certainly not for the faint of heart. But if you feel like you're missing out, keep your position sizes small. So what you're saying is I should empty my 401k and put it all in crypto. Is that am I understanding that right? <laughs> That's exactly what I'm not telling you to do, my friend. But what I would tell you to do is if you're feeling like something speculative, I can guarantee that the Sox are going to win this weekend as the Chicago White Sox and the Boston Red Sox are playing a four-game series. So we know if you take the Sox, you're going to win. <laughs> all right. Yeah, that seems actually like a safer bet for sure. Uh, so let's talk about uh, going forward here. You, you got a lot of inflation worries. Uh, how should that impact our investing? Well, I would tell you this. We are certainly going to see more inflation, not less, as we work our way through the summer. The CPI, which came out this week, was not as inflationary as the PPI was, but eventually they catch up to each other. We're going to have log- logistical log jams that prevent some supply of the, those goods and services that we have pent-up demand for as the economy reopens make prices rise. So there'll be a supply push and a demand pull inflation, but a lot of that's going to be temporary. What we'll likely see is a supply response eventually to the increase in demand. It just takes a little while. So get used to seeing more inflation, but understand the Federal Reserve is going to be okay with that for a short period of time. They know about it and they know it's going to be temporary. Don't expect monetary policy to change when you see a 3% CPI. Thanks so much. That's Art Hogan, Chief Market Strategist at National Securities. Up next, it's Entrepreneur Friday, combining dining and art in downtown Chicago. Loaning useful information each weekday. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Entrepreneur Friday this afternoon. We're heading to Chicago's West Loop, discovering a business that is built on both food and art. Joining us on the McGrath Lexus Business Line, Ray Lustan, proprietor of Fulton Market Kitchen. It's at 311 North Sangamon. Ray Lou, it's good to have you joining us here on the Noon Business Hour. For people who are not yet familiar with Fulton Market Kitchen, uh, kind of give us a little taste of what they get when they walk through the door. Well, first of all, good afternoon, and thank you for having me. Uh, Fulton Market Kitchen has been around for about eight years. Uh, the concept was developed based on the art scene in the 1980s in New York City and also 
inspired by the uh, by the Miami uh, artwork. Help us to understand, you know, all restaurants have some sort of decor. So help us to understand the difference here and and how it really is kind of a, an art experience. So uh, we, we started off with a, a couple of uh, very reputable street artists, uh, Ernie Vallis out of New York, which now lives in Miami, and another gentleman, his name is uh, Eric DeBet from Chicago, from Logan Square. So you walk in and you see this, the entire wall that they're just street art, right? Uh, It's very unique. It stands apart. You come here, you will remember it. We also have an art program where we rotate artists and display their artwork. We do, we used to, prior to COVID, obviously, uh, we used to have uh, 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 weekly life painters from the community, and we've always been a a great supporter of the, 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 uh, artists in uh, in our community, as well as the way I look at it, food is art, painting is art. It, it takes a lot of creativity to put it together. And g- coming together, because it's an entrepreneur segment, so we want to talk to the people thinking about starting businesses. Uh, it, what led you to do this? I mean, something about, well, okay, great food, that's one thing, but, but you need something else to make you stand out, to, to be different. Is that what led to this? Well, first you gotta love the business because if you don't love the business, you should find something that you love and just dive into it. Uh, so uh, for me, it's the love of the restaurant business. It's uh, uh, it's interesting. It's creative. Uh, it's fun. Uh, I enjoy working with these uh, uh, individuals in my team, from the chef to the uh, mixologist to my GM and the rest of the staff. So. Uh, I got started in this by, by pure coincidence. I made a, uh, an investment uh, in 2005 in a, uh, at the time a nightclub, and uh, I just kept on going. And so tell us, now that you've been doing this for a while, uh, what's some, maybe some lessons you've learned being in the restaurant business? Uh, so uh, lessons A, always have plenty of reserves. I like to have five to six months worth of reserves in the operating account. Uh, I like to have in my own personal account additional funds because you know what? You never know things could go bad. You could have a, I don't know, bad uh, weather. You could be a game on TV. You could be uh, any reason could 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 throw your uh, your uh, PNL off. Well, for you example, know? you could have a pandemic, right? I mean, that could happen. Well, Yes, a pandemic, you're going to need a lot more than uh, four or five, six months worth of reserves, for sure. <laughs> but it helps. So you, you need reserves. You never know about those sorts of costs. Uh, anything else you've learned? Because you, you kind of have a track record now here. Uh, there's so many. I could keep you on the phone for five hours. <laughs> Give us one more. <laughs> How much time do you have? So, <laughs> listen, when, listen when, when, when the economy is great and things are rolling, you know, you, you just roll with the with the punches and you keep on going and if you see the opportunity and you think it's an opportunity you just have to knock it out you know there's no question about it but also you you have to understand that things sometimes could turn and when they turn you need to be able to have uh, uh, cash set aside right and you need to be able to uh, look at your PL on a month-to-month basis uh, decide if something is off uh, uh, go uh, with your assumptions of whatever your profit margin should be, 
look at your expenses. We do weekly meetings and we do monthly meetings with the with the, with my bookkeeper. But it's very important to look at your numbers. Really good inside, and it really seems like a great place. Kennedy Fusion of Food and an Art Gallery. It is Fulton Market Kitchen. That is Ray Lou Stan. He's the proprietor, and he's our Friday entrepreneur. You can get to the restaurant at 311 North Sangamon. Still to come, why some workers are really itching to get back to the office. Cashing in with conversation. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Following a year of working from home, some people are anxious to return to the office. We welcome Tom Gimbel, founder and CEO of the staffing and recruitment firm LaSalle Network here in Chicago. Uh, Tom, what is this just the extroverts here? The introverts are having a party at home, but, <laughs> but the extroverts want to get back to the office? I'm not sure it's not the exact opposite, Cisco, where the extroverts always find a way to socialize the introverts that used to use work as their only social outlet are now trapped at home. And there was actually an article in the Wall Street Journal earlier in the week about uh, the anxiety and sadness and depression that's hitting kids, but it's also hitting adults. Seems like it's tough virtually to feel like you're really part of a team. You know, you're, you're working on projects, you're trying to get things done, and yet if you're all remote, it's just not the same. Well, the big difference is with with the pandemic in the past year versus any other time is that you don't have the other outlets. We've been locked up at home uh, in in remote because of the illness there, the the virus, that there hasn't been lunches and coffees and ball games and going to the beach in the summer last year and, and those types of things. So if you didn't have work as an outlet for you to get outside, you had nothing. And so I'm, I'm optimistic that this summer will be different for those that choose to work remote. But I, I, I'm a firm believer that uh, the social outlet you get at work is more than just going into an office to do output. It's about the interaction with your peer group. Yeah, there's something about feeling like uh, you're working from home, almost like you're on home confinement, like you're in a prison where you didn't think that work was an escape, but it really is. Yeah, it's really hard to say you're part of a team but never see your team physically. I mean, imagine being part of an athletic team and always practicing alone and never being with them in real time. You wouldn't have the same mojo with them. And to not have the ability to commute, to walk across the street for a cup of coffee, to be inside, to shoot the breeze at the water cooler, those are social interactions that our brains have been trained to crave and desire. Even if you don't like everybody, it's a, it's a really healthy outlet for us emotionally. Yeah, there really is something to it. A lot of people need to get back to work. Thank you, Tom Gimbel, founder and CEO of the staffing and recruitment firm LaSalle Network. If you missed any part of today's show, you can go to our stream and just skip back to the time you want. There's a pause and rewind function. It works both online and with the Odyssey app. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.